0: with us. I believe we uh, uh, have quite a few with us tonight and we do appreciate your presence tonight and encourage you to come back anytime that you can. I believe Brother Warren Hicks wins the booster award for bringing the most people. So, <laughs> But uh, we are glad to have you and your family with us. We do appreciate it. And of course tonight is our back to school bash. So after services we will have some ice cream. I think that may be part of the reason some of you are here. But uh, <laughs> that's why I'm here to get some ice cream. But anyway. Keeping in mind with our first principles approach that I've decided to, to take hopefully the remainder of this year, Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. He goes on there to say, For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, when you think about the, the, the gospel that's written and given unto us, It's very easy to see that if we follow the Gospel plan of salvation, if we follow the Gospel of Christ, we can reach our reward. But so many times people get mixed up and convoluted in the Gospel. They'll take the Scriptures, they'll pull them beside themselves, and and as Brother Earl and I were talking a little bit earlier, they just take a little bit here and a little bit there, and, and, and they squeeze together what they think is their own beliefs. And you can't do that. Paul cautions against that all through his letters and all through the epistles that he writes. You know, I saw a little picture earlier today. It said that the Word of God is designed to correct, to protect, and to direct. And I think that is so true when we look at it like that. If we look at it and we place our lives into that, we understand that that the Word of God, it is designed to teach us all things needed in our lives. My lesson tonight is entitled Defending the Faith. And you know, as we look at defending the faith, we have to understand that the Bible tells us as Christians, we have a responsibility to defend our faith, to defend the Word of God, and defend the very sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Because you know, if you if you want to take a little bit out of this book, you're going to have to take a whole lot out of this book. Matter of fact, you're going to have to throw the whole thing away. And you cannot do that. And that's what happens many times. I, alluded this morning in a Bible study class to, uh, to some visitors I had at my house yesterday. And used to, uh, Brother Odell Powell, he, he taught me a good lesson about this. Used to when somebody come around and, and you all all know what you do. Somebody you say, oh, looky there. You look out the blinds and here comes some folks going to come knocking on your door. You immediately have this idea in your mind who they are, right? And that's usually who they are. And they'll walk up to your door and they'll ring the doorbell and sometimes what happens? Shh, don't let them know we're here. You run, you hide, you close the blinds, you, you know, you just don't answer the door. You stay away from them, right? Odell Powell used to say I would invite them in. <laughs> so as I'm mowing the yard yesterday, I see this truck traveling door to door in the neighborhood and I, I'm out there and I didn't want to get off my lawnmower so I sent Christy a text and I said, if these folks are coming to our driveway to talk about the Bible, I'm going to invite them in. <laughs> she told me I could only bring them to certain places in the house because we're still trying to recover from the wedding. But uh, she told me I I could do that. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to see about it. So they came up in my driveway, and of course they came out. I kindly got off the lawnmower. I'd never met these folks before. Really nice uh, man and a a young girl. I'm not sure if it was his daughter or his granddaughter. But uh, really nice folks, and they come up, and they want to tell me about their religious beliefs. And you all probably know where they came from. And I listened with a kind heart, (coughs) kind ears, and I allowed them to say what they wanted to say. They were telling me about how they have taken this website and they have translated their translation into a hundred different languages, and they would encourage me to go on their website and make sure I read everything there is to know about that. So I simply asked them a couple of questions, scripture- based. And the man looked at me kind of funny, like, "You're not supposed to ask those kind of questions. But I did. Now, I was hoping it would lead to a further study. And I have this little thing that, that, uh, and Christy knows I do this, I kept them in my driveway for 12 minutes. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. One day I'm going to get them to come in my house, and we're going to sit down and we're going to study the Bible together. Because folks, this is the Gospel, and we are not to be ashamed of it. And if we are ashamed of it, we don't need to be here tonight because Christ died for that. He died for His Gospel to be proclaimed. But let me tell you, as I studied tonight for this lesson, as I, as I looked at the verses I wanted to use, I could not help but go to Galatians chapter 2. You know, of, of all people to know the gospel of Christ, you would think it would be the apostles. They knew, they lived, they walked with Christ. Now, Paul, of course, was an apostle born out of due time, due season. But look at what happens in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you... Being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews. Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You see, there's this dilemma that Paul's got here. Paul sees that Peter is not following the Gospel of Christ. He is not following the things that he has been taught. And Paul stands to his face, it says, and defends the faith. Now that's not a happy story. Now we know it ends happily, but it's not a happy story. But friends, I think we have to look at those unhappy stories sometimes to understand that we all can fall short of defending the faith. Paul gives us a really good example there of of doing that. Now let's look at what Peter has to write. In 1 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 15 through 17, Peter says himself there that, that we are to give an account and a defense. He says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Watch what he says. He says, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. You see, when we stand up against the world, when we stand up against those who may be false teachers, we're going to look at a few more verses that will pull those out in context a little bit. But when we stand against the world and we want to stand and defend this Word, this Word of God, we need to be proud that we're doing such. We need to be ready to defend, Peter says. We need to be ready to say, this is why I believe what the Lord Jesus Christ had to say. We can't be wishy-washy. We can't say, well, you know, my opinion is this. You know as well as I know, ladies and gentlemen, that opinions don't matter when it comes to the Word of God. The opinion does not matter what I think. It does not matter what you think. It does not matter what our friends down the road think. It matters what these words say. And we need to be ready to defend that in every action and in every way that we can. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in Second Corinthians chapter ten. He said, "We're at a war." He Said in verse four, "For the weapons of war, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exists itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled." You see, we're constantly in this raging battle, this war, and the war is against Satan. Y'all know where the war is. But you know what? Men of the world, women of the world, they will take Satan's techniques, their his tactics, and they will take it and they'll use it. And they'll use it to find a way to pull you away from the Word of God. That's why we as Christians, if you have been a baptized Christian, that's why we as Christians have to defend the Word of God. We can't stand back and allow somebody to just trample it over. We can't stand back and allow our faith to be tested and tried by the words of men and women. We can't do it. And when somebody brings something to you, just as this, this, uh, this man and young lady did, you can't just acknowledge what they're saying if it's not true. They had some very valid points of what they wanted to bring up and say. They believed that the world was going to be cleansed and then that those that are saved are going to come back and live on this world. And I said, friends, I told them yesterday, I said, I don't want to live in this old nasty world. This is not my home. And I asked him, I said, Where is Jesus Christ? And the man, he's, he's a, a very strong accent. He's from Israel. He said, oh, well, he's in heaven. And I said, Well, that's where I want to live. He said, oh, but only a select few are going to be able to do that. And I said, yeah, then I plan on being there. I plan on being in that select few. You're right. He didn't want to talk to me much after that. He said, that's between me and God. (laughs) I started to say, well, you know, it's between me and Jesus and God because Jesus is the propitiation of my sins. I'm not sure where he gets his faith except for man-written documents, but it's not there. You know, what he's trying to teach is not there, and we need to be ready to defend those things. You know, the book of Jude is very short, it's just one chapter. You can read it in probably a matter of five minutes. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't expect you to understand it all in five minutes, but look at what Jude said. The, you know, the, he, was, he calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ, but he's also the brother of James, which would mean he'd be the half brother of Jesus, I believe, if I, if I do my studying correctly. But he says here in verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. You see, I'm going to stop there for a second. That means that there is nothing new. We can't come up with these crazy translations of the Bible or paraphrases of the Bible like the Cotton Patch Bible that is not truth. We can't come up with these crazy things and say, well, this is what it really means. We can't do that. We can't come up with these these kind of things and say, oh, well, you know, culture has changed this meaning of what's in the Bible. You can't do that. Now, I'll agree there were some cultures and some traditions in the Bible that we don't hold to today. I understand that. Now, Brother Brian and I were discussing, I've done some historical study on the Lord's Supper, and if, and if you read close enough in the text, you're going to find out that they didn't sit in pews. <laughs> they didn't even sit around a table, it doesn't seem like. seems to me like in my reading, my research, my study, that they were reclining, because that was the way an informal meal type of situation that, that the Lord's Supper would have been in, would have been with those disciples and Jesus. That it was more of a casual meal with friends. So there are some traditions that we don't hold on to today, and that's okay. And we have traditions that we hold on to today that that as long as they're not going against the doctrines of God, they're okay. But we have to be very careful. And we have to use that to defend the faith. Verse 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, catch that now, unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. Watch what he says. He is reserved in everlasting chains, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. <laughs> As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now friends, if you can't read that verse and understand that we have to defend the faith because that is how we're getting to heaven, I don't know how else you can see it. Because Jude says there that these men and these teachers, men and women, however you want to look at it, coming in unnoticed. And that happens so many times in the church. That happens where these men will creep in And they'll they'll, they'll have a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here. And next thing you know, you're not in the Bible anymore. You're not studying from the Word of God anymore. You're studying from the words of men. Now look again at at 2 Peter. In chapter 2, it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even denying the Lord who who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. You know, Peter, and there again, I mean, Paul withstood Peter to the face over some things that he was. I'm not going to say he was twisting, but he, he just he, he kind of had a lapse of memory, I guess, if you want to say that. Uh, I don't know what was going through Peter's mind. But Peter turns around and He he says, there are going to be people that do these things. And they're false teachers. They're false prophets. You know, Jesus said Himself in John 8, 31-32, many of you know this passage, then Jesus said to those Jews, and watch this, who believed Him. I think it's very important that we remember that it says that if you abide... And I believe the Greek word for abide is minos. And I've been doing some studying on that word over the past few weeks. And those of you who know me for a long time know that, that it, sometimes sermons build over a five or six year period of time. So that minos uh, sermon may be coming a long time from now. But if you abide continually, is what I believe that word means, in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then he follows up and says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, there's nothing else that men can do. There's nothing else that we can do to earn our own freedom than the truth. There's nothing else. We can't buy our way into heaven. We can't earn our way into heaven. We can be obedient to the truth. And that's the only way we're going to get there. Galatians 4.16 I I have to use this verse sometimes when people get angry with me. (coughs) Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's easy for somebody to get mad when you're trying to study with them. It's very easy for somebody to get upset with you when you tell them that they're not living a life that they need to be living. Now the Bible tells me that I am to do that. I am to take this Word and use it towards my own spiritual life. Use it for reproof, rebuke, for doctrine, for correction. You know, Paul told Timothy to do all these things. He said, use it. And I think as Christians that we have to defend the faith by using it in the same manner. We need to rebuke those things that are wrong. We need to sit down with our friends, our brothers, our sisters in Christ, if they're in error. I mean, so many places in the Bible show us that. James chapter five says, if you bring someone out of error, you've done a good work. I'm paraphrasing that. But I mean it says that basically that that it is our responsibility to show people when they are living a wrong life. Because friends, you know, I don't know about you, but I love Every soul I come into contact with. And I want to see you in heaven. That is my goal of preaching the gospel. It's nothing to my own account. It's, It's because I want you to know the same things that I see. I want you to understand what's in this Word of God. And sometimes that means I have to be defensive. And that's what defending the faith means. You know, do you ever think about why it's so important? We have a great group of elders here. I love these men. I love talking to them you ever think that it's, it's, it's interesting that Paul tells Titus and Timothy both that these men need to know the Bible? <laughs> that they need to be able to, to, to rebuke and reproof and, and defend every single word that's in the Bible? You know, if you go back and do a little study in Acts, you're going to find out that elders were placed in every church. And I wish it were that way today. We have several churches that do not have elders Elders. And I pray that they will someday have qualified men. That seems to be an excuse these days though. We just don't have qualified men. (laughs) Well, you better find them. You better grow them. You better figure out why you don't have qualified men. What's going on? Why are there men that are not living by this Word that are able to be in a position of an eldership? Somebody will say, well, it's our society. We've left our first love. You know what? You're right. But if you're going to get back to heaven, if you're going to get to heaven, you're going to get back to that first love. Jesus tells us that. Return to your first love. But Paul tells Timothy and Titus, he says, you need to know the Word. You need to teach the Word. You need to be able to use the Word to mold and shape every single soul. And I'll tell you what, if that's not the important thing that that you can get out of that, I don't know what is. You know, a few weeks ago we studied, we did an in depth study on 2 Timothy. And I'm going to read a few words from 2 Timothy. Most of you know these, and, and and I hope that some of these younger folks have heard me say this enough that, that you need to learn some of these verses, and you need, you need to you need to know what they say. One of the very first verses that I learned as a child, I've mentioned this before, 2 Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved. Workman needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word true. You know, and that's uh, in my New King James. It says be diligent, and diligent means work hard. And that's what we have to do. We have to study the Word of God. It is on us. It's not on me as a preacher to, to teach you everything that's in this Word. It's on you to look at what Paul told Timothy. Now, he is speaking directly to Timothy, but if you can't see the application there to your own life, you're missing it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So when somebody says, I just can't understand the Bible. (coughs) Friends, that's not an excuse. I don't think I want to stand in front of Jesus Christ one day and say, well, I didn't do that because I just couldn't understand it. How hard would it be for for me to do that? It would be difficult for me to do that. I hope it would be difficult for you to do that because we have the Bible. We can freely open and turn the pages. You know, it's it's recorded as being the most popular sold book of all time ever. What I'm afraid of, though, is happening is that people buy them just to buy them. They sit on the shelf. They don't study. With all these mediums that we have today, you know, I'm in the technology business, so I've always got some pretty cool toys floating around my office. I've got the Bible everywhere I go. (laughs) It's not necessarily something we can just sit on the shelf anymore because it's with us all the time. Many of you have it on your phones. You have it on an electronic device. That's great, but use it. Don't just let it take up space on your hard drive. Use it. Use the Word of God. Defend the Word of God. Look at what 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says. You already know this verse, this passage. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul's telling Timothy there, be prepared. Be ready to defend the faith. Be ready to defend the Word of God. Because you know what he does next? He goes on and he charges. That's what he says there. I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word. Preach the Word. And he doesn't tell Timothy to preach the Word on Sunday. He doesn't tell him to preach it on Wednesday night. He says, be ready in season and out of season in other words, you need to be ready at all times. You need to be ready when the folks pull up in your driveway and, and they want to talk to you about their beliefs. <coughs> you need to be ready to withstand the Bible. You need to be ready to, to stand to them face to face and say, this is what the Bible teaches. Now, you don't have to know every verse. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to say that right now. Because if I was quizzed on verses, I'd go crazy. I wouldn't be able to quote verse for a verse without an open Bible. Everybody doesn't have a memory of that capacity. I'm glad some people can. I really am. But you know what? The more you study the Word, the more you learn it. You know, Michael Shank does that. In his book, he, he the, the most recent edition of his book tells the secret, if you will, of Randall's memorization of the verses. He carried them around on note cards. It's nothing hidden. Nobody tries to hide it. He wrote one verse down a week and he carried it with him everywhere he went. And he learned it. Now there's a couple of young people here I challenged a few months back and some of y'all know who they are because I pick on one of the little ones all the time. I gave them verses to remember and they remembered them. They remembered them. You can ask them right now and they'll tell you what those verses are. But it was a challenge. Just like Paul charged Timothy, I'm going to charge you. I'm going to charge me. Get in the book. Because the book is your defense. The book is the only way you're going to be able to tell somebody how to get to heaven and how to stay away from that eternal fire of hell. Now can we be impolite? Can we be rude? Can we just jump down somebody's throat? When we have opportunity to to speak to someone about the Bible, we need to make sure that we understand that there is a pattern which has been involved for us to do such. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, look here how Paul charges Timothy there. Verse 24, "...and a servant of the Lord..." must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by Him to do His will. Now in my Bible, I've got all kinds of notes referring back to 1 Timothy chapter 2-3 chapter 3, on all this. They're again talking about the ways that we are to know the Bible. But you know, you're not going to win any souls by beating them to death. You're going to win souls by teaching the way Paul told Timothy to teach. And that is pure and simple. You do it in a manner that is loving. Because our goal, friends, is not to go out there and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Our goal is to say, here's the truth. And I want to help you become a brother or sister in Christ. Or if it is a brother or sister in Christ and they've fallen away, it's our goal to go out there and say, brother, sister, I love you. And I want to show you why you're living a life that you don't need to be living. That should be our goal. That's the way we defend the faith. That's the way we defend the Word of God. That's the way we defend Jesus Christ dying on that cross. Because that's what it's all about. Without Jesus dying on the cross, we wouldn't have this Word. We wouldn't have a need to be here because we'd all be lost. Every single one of us. We would have no way of making it to heaven without Jesus. Tonight you have to make that decision in your life. Tonight you have to make a decision. If you're not a baptized Christian, if you've not... Been born again. Based on what the Bible says. Acts 2.38 Peter preached on that day of Pentecost. He told those men and brethren there, you crucified the Son of God. And they said, well, what must we do to be saved? They were cut in their hearts. They weren't saying, well, what do we do now? They were diligently seeking a way to to retribute what they had done. And the Bible says, Peter answered, he said, repent. And be baptized. Every one of you, the the original word means to be immersed, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, there is a pattern given. And that pattern is that we must be baptized. My friends, if you're here tonight and you've not been baptized, you must hear the Word of God, you must believe it, you must repent of the old man, and you must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, dying on that cross for our sins. And then you must be buried with Him in baptism in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come up out of that water, living as a new creature and being faithful from that point forward. But you know, that is a charge given to us in the book of Revelation. John writes it. The Lord says it. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Many times it's easy for us to fall away. It's easy for us to, to let the ways of the world interfere with the ways of the Bible. Friends, that's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to to worship Him in spirit and in truth and to not have our hearts troubled. James says, draw near unto God and He'll draw near unto you. Many times when we fall away from God, we're going to find ourselves in consequences we don't like. When you think about that and you realize that maybe you've sinned this very week, this very hour even, or you've sinned years ago and you've not made... Repentance for that with God. If you've not gone to God and said, I'm sorry, God, that may be what's keeping you from being the best person you can be. Tonight, the church is, is here for you. The elders are here. We'll pray with you. I'll pray with you. Pray for you. We want to encourage you to think about your soul this very hour. If you've not become a Christian or if you need to confess of any sins and pray for repentance, why don't you come forward while we stand while we sing.